On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. How can you understand my business so well? Because so much of businesses is actually the same. As your business evolves, you need to consider structure for proper growth. We'll continue a conversation on the right steps to take. If you think it's hard to find workers here in Iowa, you're right. And in our business profile, we'll tell you about an entity promoting STEM through a series of unique competitions. This is the Iowa Business Report for the final weekend of February 2023. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. Last month on this program, we introduced you to Matthew Pohl, principal of the Rewild Group, which provides tools and resources for business leaders that help them successfully grow. It's through a process called organizational rewilding. As we continue the conversation, I asked Matthew Pohl to talk about the evolution of businesses beyond the era of the visionary founder of a company and whether those are the right people to lead in the next stage of a company's life. There's a lot of areas of these rules that deal with what comes naturally to the leader or to the organization because just by the very nature, the founder of an organization, that person's DNA really is infused throughout the organization, right? There's that influence that permeates the organization as it should be. But you're right that we as humans have natural areas of strength and natural areas of weakness, and we tend towards those areas of strength. So if you're an engineer and process and solving the problem really gets your juices flowing, that may be needed in the organization. But depending on your stage of growth, that may not be the right focus for you as the CEO of the organization. And what I find is that, and this isn't universal, but most CEOs, they're willing to adjust. They're willing to stretch themselves to do what the organization needs them to do. But most of the time, they simply don't know what that is. They have to find out those things typically by trial and error. And oftentimes the fact that they're misaligned with the best practices for their stage is not really obvious. So they don't know that they need a change. They may be willing to change, but they don't know where and how to change and adjust to optimize their organization and them as a leader to grow their organization. That's what organizational rewilding does. It, it creates this very clear roadmap. You can just follow it. I've seen that in my own businesses as well as working to develop this methodology. If I am a business owner and I feel that we're sort of bumping along or we're struggling or I don't feel comfortable with how we are progressing, do I contact the Rewild Group and you analyze where I'm at and where I should go? Or how does this work to take your research and actually put it into practice? Yeah, that's a great question because we could have all these great ideas. If it's not practical, it's not really going to change the world. And our mission as an organization is we believe that work is a very fundamental part of the human experience, of our existence as humans, and that work has the opportunity to bring out the best in us, 
to grow us, to stretch us. And it's in an exceptional work environment where this is optimally achieved. Our focus as an organization is to create more exceptional businesses because as we create exceptional businesses, we create exceptional work environments. The outcome of that is the employees, the people who are part of that organization become a better version of themselves. And when they leave that organization, they return to their homes, to their communities, to their nations as a better person. And it has this tremendous ripple effect throughout our society. So that's really our mission to build exceptional businesses around the globe. But how do we make this practical? If you're a business owner and you're saying, okay, you know, I feel like I got 80%, I'm missing a little bit. How do I fill that gap? Our organization is headquartered in Colorado. I'm actually an Iowa native. I grew up in Burlington, Iowa, but I've been in Colorado for over 30 years now. We work with and enable independent consultants and coaches around the globe to take our methodology and bring it to their local marketplace. So we've got a network of advisors that really does the implementation within the businesses, a, a single business. But we do that kind of through three ways, three ways that you can access the material. We start with self-directed. We know some business owners, they're kind of do it themselves. They, they want to read a book and they want to go and try it. And so most of our methodology is available either in books or videos or online assessments and stuff like that, that we have at our website. Our books are available on amazon.com. Very easy to get to books.rewildgroup.com and that'll take you right there. So that's the self-directed kind of level that you can interact with the methodology. The second one is in a coaching kind of a role. This is where like most business coaching, you kind of have one-to-one meetings with an advisor on a periodic basis. The main program is set up to meet once a month But it's not just kind of what we call a mixture or a flavor of the month kind of an approach. This is where each month you're working on your business, you're learning a new concept from organizational rewilding, and you're able to apply that. Third way is as an advisor. And our advisory services are the most rich, the deepest, most intense engagements that we work with in a client. And this is where we go really deep in an organization in kind of one element at a time really have tremendous and quick impact on the organization. A lot of businesses though, they don't know where to start. And so it's that starting place that's critical. And so we have an assessment called the Rewild Business Assessment. Takes about 15 minutes to fill out. There's no financial information asked for. It's a very unique survey that you'd go through, but it really, allows us to take a peek underneath the hood and really see what's going on deep within the organization. What I've been told repeatedly by CEOs is they don't understand how in 15 minutes we can produce a 15, 20 page report that accurately portrays where their organization is and pinpoints the weaknesses, many of which until they see the report, they don't even recognize that those are the weaknesses, areas that need to be strengthened. So the Rewild Business Assessment, you get through an advisor, a local advisor, they walk you through it. It's it's pretty intense, but what comes out of that is a very clear 
picture of where to start and kind of the impact, the biggest impact items that you can focus on. So it's really where we say you start the organizational rewilding with the rewild business assessment. And then you can kind of choose where you go from there, whether you want to do the self-directed coaching advisory, whatever fits your, your budget and your personal goals. In looking at the page on your website, rewildgroup.com, for the Rewild Business Assessment, and I was looking at that as you were explaining the process, and you said you may have a business owner who says, well, how can you accurately uh, tell me about my business in such a short period of time? Well, the reality is this is not your first day. You have gone through the the research, and that's the, the context that you folks can provide or those who work with you that the individual business owner doesn't have. The individual business owner looks at their business and says, well, this is my world, and does not realize how their structure may be very common with another business producing very different things, but their organizational framework, employee size, et cetera, is the same. And that's the context you can bring to it to where you know exactly what they need because, again, they're all unique, but they all have common characteristics. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, uh, business owners, I'm like this, you know, we think of our businesses being very unique, but the reality is there's more in common between businesses than there are differences. The power of the assessment comes from the fact that instead of learning on one business by trial and error, we've taken kind of the collective experience of 1500 other CEOs have gone through the same struggles, successes, failures as you have, and we've identified what is kind of assisting them in those successes and identifying what's caused those failures. So you're right. It's really this collective intelligence and insight that we're able to bring to the table through this assessment that makes it seem, how can you understand my business so well? because so much of businesses is actually the same. And that's really fascinating. And because as you explain it, it sounds elemental, right? It's like, well, why didn't we think of this? But that is not our natural inclination, and it's only through the research of thousands of businesses that you've been able to draw those commonalities. Have you found that there is a change in either the stages or the, the categories based upon the global shutdown of three years ago and then so much of the remote working. Have these stages needed to be altered or tweaked in light of the fact that the workforce is very different than it was three years ago, much less five and ten? You know, this methodology has been developed over really about three decades. And some think, well, think too much has changed for it to still be applicable. That's not what we see. When we apply it in real businesses, we see it today as accurate as ever have been. Now, that's not to say there aren't some new twists and things that have come out of the, the shutdown, you know, remote working, all those kinds of things. But really the principles, and that's why we consider them principles, the principles of business and, and managing and your business model and structures within an organization, those really don't change. Now, that's not to say there's one answer, but there are, there are principles that you need to apply and find out what the right answer is for your organization. 
Matthew Pohl of the Rewild Group. To learn more about organizational rewilding, go to rewildgroup.com slash T-I-M. Business development specialists at Advance Iowa are among those certified in organizational rewilding. For more information, go to advanceiowa.com. And there's even more on the topic. You can hear the full interview, including the portion we aired here last month, by listening to the IBR Extra podcast. The Iowa Business Report is on 19 different podcast platforms, or you can go to the radio program section of totallyiowa.com. Still to come, hiring is hard here, and comparatively, really hard. And later, young robotics creators showcase their work. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. Hello fellow Iowans, this is Michael Swanger, owner and publisher of Iowa History Journal. 2023 marks Iowa History Journal's 15th anniversary and we have planned some amazing stories for the year that you won't want to miss and that you won't find in other magazines. Pick up our January-February issue on newsstands at Hy-Vee, Barnes & Noble, Walmart and other outlets. Better yet, subscribe so that you don't miss an issue. Visit iowahistoryjournal.com and order today. Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Business Council, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization working to elevate Iowa's economy through leadership, research, and advocacy. Learn more and review the latest quarterly member survey by going to iowabusinesscouncil.org. The struggle of Iowa employers to hire workers is real. In fact, one of the worst in the nation, according to a report published by the personal finance website WalletHub. Nationwide labor force participation rates are below pre-pandemic levels, and some businesses are also finding it difficult to retain current employees. Obviously, this has led to delays in service and reduced business hours. In the past month, Iowa's job openings rate was 8%. That's the fourth highest in the nation. Only West Virginia, Louisiana, and Alaska had a higher rate. New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut have the lowest job openings rates. Across the country, the median rate was 6.85%. Iowa's current job openings rate is 8%, and that's more than a percent higher than the last annual rate for our state. Now, while Iowa has traditionally had among the highest labor force participation rates in the country, data indicates our population is aging, bringing higher retirement rates as a result. One quarter of Iowa's workforce members are at least 55 years of age. Coming up, practical application of learning. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Help Wanted sign is out at Camp Courageous near Monticello, Iowa. Year-round and seasonal paid positions are now available. Camp Courageous is a recreational and respite care facility for individuals of all ages with disabilities, and it operates thanks to donations. Year-round positions include a comprehensive health insurance plan and the top pay, benefits, and accommodations around. To learn more about being a part of camp, go to campcourageous.org. 
The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, educating, guiding, advising, and coaching Iowa businesses. Search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook and get more at AdvanceIowa.com. In our business profile segment this week, we'll tell you about Iowa First, part of a national effort to stimulate interest in STEM and related topics so young people can consider careers in the field early on. The slogan is, Our Future Built Better Together. Jeff Margret is the executive director for FIRST in Iowa and Nebraska, and he's in charge of the Iowa Regional Robotics Competition, returning to Cedar Falls next month. The Iowa Regional is an event for FIRST Robotics Competition, which is the highest level of high school competitive robotics uh, in the country and in the world, as a matter of fact. And it's, so it's all high school teams. We're going to have high school teams from seven states. We have several teams in Iowa here. There'll be probably 24, 25 teams from Iowa. And the rest will be coming from six additional states basically nearby. And what FIRST Robotics Competition is, it's building robotics to compete in an arena event. The students are given their new challenge every year, the first weekend after New Year's, and they have eight weeks to build a robot. So there's no pressure there. <laughs> and so you can compete at one or two events. Several Iowa teams will be competing here, and then they'll also be traveling to Minneapolis or Wisconsin or some of the other nearby states to get a second competition in with the ultimate goal of uh, advancing to the first championships, which are in Houston at the end of April. I'm very happy with our team roster in Iowa because we have a great mix of teams. We have teams in your urban areas in Iowa, in your in your Des Moines and Davenports and Waterloos and Cedar Falls and Ames and Davenport and all that. But we have an explosion in the rural communities. We have a lot of very small high schools that are saying this isn't just a big school program. This is great workforce development. It's great exposure to STEM. So they're digging in and we have a lot of small rural high schools that are becoming the Iowa Regional this year, uh, many of them for their first time. You sort of tossed off by saying we give them this uh, topic and then they go build a robot. Yeah. And the whole thing just went way above my head. So let's <laughs> go back to what is the well, first robotics competition? Where did it come from? Our founder is Dean Kamen, and he's an inventor. If you're familiar with the Segway, uh, he's done very many um, medical patents as well. He's a very well-known inventor. In the late 80s, in 1989, he formed FIRST with the idea of doing robotics as a sport, as something that kids will get excited about and will get some attention for. The same way that he was watching people, actors and actresses and, and professional athletes get all this attention, he wanted to see people interested in engineering and STEM get that same sort of attention. So in 1992, a small season started with these large robots, and I believe the first championship was in Florida. But since then, it's exploded. We now have programs K through 12. We have uh, Lego League, which is runs our grade school. We have First Tech Challenge, which is grade 7 to 12. And what my robots are is they're robots that are about 125 pounds. The the weight is usually about the same every year. The size changes a little bit each year, so the teams can't build ahead. If they knew what the size was going to be, they could start in the fall. Sure. So we release all the details. And at the beginning of January, they're told this is this year's game. Last year's game, they had to shoot balls into a higher hoop or a lower hoop, and you had different point differences. And there's usually at the end of a game, there's something you have to climb or something you have to achieve. And that's all revealed. So they have to look at all these different challenges and ways to score points and decide how they're going to engineer a robot that's going to make those things happen. 
I could go on forever with what they get out of it because it goes multiple directions. Yes, we hope we're turning out the next generation of engineers. We're getting them to STEM education at a four-year school or into an engineering major. We're also very, very big in workforce development. They're learning manufacturing skills that the manufacturers right here in Iowa and anywhere else are looking for, and kids aren't necessarily coming out of high school with those skills right now. We have currently first is looking at a three-pronged of where we're sending people. We're sending them to college for STEM. We're sending them to trade schools to, to further their manufacturing skills because they're doing manufacturing. They're doing welding. They're doing CAD. They're doing a wide variety of things and learning like, hey, I could do this the rest of, I could do this for a living and make really good money. And we're showing them that. And our third way is the armed services. Um, the Air Force has been a huge sponsor of us in the past, as well as some of the other branches. So we're, we're producing kids that have a wide variety of options when they're done with what they're doing with us. And even the kids who aren't maybe the robot kid or the tech kid, our teams put together business plans. They put together graphic design and do social media posts and videos designed to, to win awards and show what they're doing. So we have kids with a wide variety of skills that join the team that maybe don't want to work on the specific robot but will be a team member in another aspect and be very valuable and come away with some good skills. Jeff Margret of the first effort in Iowa, including the Iowa Regional First Robotics Competition in Cedar Falls, March 23rd through 25th. For more information, go to iowafirst.org. That's I-A-F-I-R-S-T dot org. We spoke via Zoom on Tuesday, February 21st. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, providing business solutions and support to small to medium-sized businesses. Let's work together. More at AdvanceIowa.com and search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.